Hello and welcome everybody to the next episode of the British and Irish Eagles podcast and first off everyone give yourselves a pat on the back because this will be the last podcast without Liam. We've all made it through, it's been tough um, while he's been sunning himself in various different places around Mauritius and I'm not entirely sure where he is at the moment but uh, he'll be back the end of this week so he shall be back for the washington commanders watch along which was on sunday and we'll get into the preview later on in the pod um before we get into the buccaneers review let me bring in my illustrious co-host for this period of of twosome mick you've uh you've had an extended long weekend been there uh, relaxing i'm sure with the kids um how you doing man <laughs> how was the four days off uh, yeah, you call it four days off, but is it really when you get two kids, that, um, young kids like no, I do? absolutely not. No, no absolutely isn't. But, you know, there was, just, there was a lot to enjoy over the weekend. Well, I had the ups and downs in the sporting world. Um, on Saturday, I was at the Livingston game. Celtic enjoyed a, a good victory there, 3-0. Um, unfortunately, on Saturday night, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Um, what a game. What if you're If, if you like college football... Um, that's a, that's a game to watch and enjoy. Like uh, the score might not have reflected it, but it was it was um, ex- very exciting game. Um, but unfortunately, we made a mess of it in the end and took a loss. So uh, still picking up the pieces yeah, of that one. A little bit. I did see a little bit on uh, on the on the old X, formerly known as Twitter, with um, someone highlighting that the last two um, plays. You didn't have enough people on the field. Is that correct? So that's got to be a little bit of a, a kick in the teeth. And by the sounds of it, it was a close game. You enjoyed yourself watching it at least. Um, are you bothered by that? Or, or was that sort of just, we'd already lost? You, you know, I wasn't overly bothered by it because we had we had lost the game before that, before it got to the goal line um, on the, the, set, you know, the second and third down at the goal line to for Ohio we win the game. He should never have come to that. Uh, there was plenty, plenty of opportunities for Notre Dame. We put the game away and uh, we should have done it with the ball in our hands. But unfortunately, um, Gerard Parker had an absolute nightmare play calling at the, the very last drive at the, the worst possible time. And, you know, we turned the ball over and let Ohio race right up the right up the field with less than a minute to go. And uh, that's how that's how the cards fall sometimes, unfortunately. And but it's uh, like college football is so cutthroat that you know one loss can completely do the whole yeah. season. But I think in the fashion, like the, you, there's a a lot of people you'll hear podcasts talking about. There's no such thing as style points in the NFL, and most that's true. The reverse is true in college, where style points do matter, and it depends on how you, yeah. how you lose. Um, so Notre Dame only fell a couple of couple of places on the AP poll. Um, surely, if we if we get a win against USC, Duke, a couple other ranked teams, we'll be right back up there. But who knows? Um, that's enough about Notre Dame, anyway. Um, we're here to talk about we're here to talk about a victory for the Eagles, which cheered my weekend back up, and um, delighted to be talking about that tonight. Yeah, I was, was going to quickly um, quickly touch on that. I was sort of 
the reason I was interested in those um, those defensive sort of snafus from the Notre Dame side is I was thinking across it if that had happened in I know it probably doesn't happen in an NFL game. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it isn't very often. Um, being in college, maybe it's more accepted that rookie mistakes like that happen. But imagine if we'd watched an Eagles game and we'd lost because the defensive coordinator hadn't ensured that there was 11 players on the field. I think we'd be absolutely apoplectic and we'd be spitting feathers and calling for Jonathan Gannon. I'm sure it would have been, could have happened under him. Um, maybe we would have been absolutely roasting the team. But thankfully, that sort of thing doesn't happen to the Eagles. And uh, yeah, let's get into the let's get into uh, the game itself. Obviously, we, we both stayed up for it, so I made a plan this time to actually be up for it rather than just struggling to get to sleep. So I was fully prepared this time. I wasn't just sort of trying to watch it on a eight inch phone screen. I was downstairs. I had some wings on as well that I had stashed in the freezer. Um, so they went on. The whiskey was fired. It was like good old times, Mick. And if it wasn't for the fact that I noticed you'd already been drinking your whiskey during the game i would have uttered our uh, usual line when the eagles are doing particularly well against any opposition which is <laughs> nick whiskey as a, a celebratory or sort of cigar moment like the cigars <laughs> put a fork in them they're done um so touching on the game itself we beat the tampa bay buccaneers 25 to 11 um Overall, felt like a pretty routine win. I must admit it was a bit of a slow start, but I still didn't feel at any point that we were in any serious danger. I think the defence came out of the blocks. So, again, it's one of those games where it doesn't matter how stutter start the offence is in getting going, the defence was sort of keeping us in the game. It was just a matter of time before the offence got themselves sorted out, got us into the game, got us some more points on the board. And then um, and then it went from there. It very much felt like just before halftime, we, we 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 stuck the knife in, went into halftime, sort of comfortably uh, touched down and a bit clear, and then came out the other side. And it was just more game management and uh, an overall sort of just solid play. So, Mick, how do you, how, how was it for you, sort of, from a perspective of, Jalen Carr having an absolute storming game and the defense sort of being the uh, the primary factor in this one. Yeah, I, I was um, in the same mindset, to be fair, Phil. I, I didn't think at any point the game was pulling away from us and that we were in any danger of actually losing it. Um, even though, like you said, we had the offense were just stuttering again and whilst we were walking the ball up the field, I mean, quite successfully with, you know, how, how swift his been performing these last two games um we get that fourth and two they decide to put gainwell in uh, anyway such a bizarre call that one <laughs> i don't understand i don't understand that one myself um maybe they were just looking for a, a different option and something just to give the defense a different look but i mean you, you play the guy who's hot at the moment and and that was deandre swift and um that's if they say if they have to put him in the fourth and two probably would have got the yards for me but well who knows and um there's no point trying over spilled milk now but it's uh it's been and gone but at the time i, I still felt you know it will happen eventually we'll get the, the offense is going to start clicking even though you know there was quite a few red zone drives that ended in field goals 
um, where we're just not able to finish the drive. Uh, and that'll come. That'll come over time. We're still only on week three. There's plenty of teams around the NFL that are stuttering or doing worse. I mean, just look at the Cincinnati Bengals and how they've been performing so far. The Chiefs haven't looked quite themselves. Um, there's, you know, the other teams are taking up. We're just like, take a step back and just look and say, we're 3-0. Mm. The, we've got we've got a run game that's absolutely electric just now that we can fall back on in inverted commas um, because you know Jalen's still trying to find his rhythm with Brian Johnson. They're still trying to find some sort of you know game plan cohesion and, and, and getting the right calls at the right times and you know figure out timing with the receivers and all that. It'll all come. We're only in week three, so it's just a bit of a countdown mm. situation still for me on the passing game. But it's but like you said, Phil. It's exciting to see what the defense are doing and how they're performing because that was lights out against Tampa Bay. Tampa couldn't get anything rolling, and that the strength of that defensive interior, Jesus. I mean, considering the the injuries that we've suffered so far in the secondary, the debates going into the game about whether who would be playing nickel. Bradbury obviously got the nod in, in there and did more than serviceable job, but. It was sort of the defense has been our strongest point in the first three games, without a doubt, and to have been doing consistently performing well, um, despite the injuries. I mean, you think back to how much the debate there was over whether Gannon was a good defensive coordinator, and there's people are saying that you know the defense was solid, it never had any major issues. Um, and but we were healthy. For the majority of the season, he, you know, Jack Gannon rarely had to, to deal with any kind of injuries that that Desai's had to. So I'm I'm using that as a positive to say that that Sean Desai, whether he's a better defensive coordinator or not, um, on paper is up for debate. But the fact that he's performed, the Eagles' defense has performed so well, um, considering the change arounds that we've had in the first three games already, I think is is nothing but a credit. But, um. Before we actually get into the good, the bad, and the uh, damn right sexy, if Mick's still got the uh, the sound bite to, to go right with it, I'm sure. Sexy. The damn <laughs> right <laughs> sexy. The damn right sexy. The damn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was oh, cheers, dude. Uh, <laughs> it was on loop. <laughs> um, before we get into the, the the bits of the game, it is worth mentioning that it the uh, scoreline is a scoregami, so it's the 1,078 unique scoreline in NFL history. Does anyone really care about that? Eh, no, not really. But it's still interesting tonight when, I mean, <laughs> I think whenever a safety is involved in a game, obviously it's likely to be a scoregami because of the uh, the unusual amount of points that that entails. So, but we'll get into that as well later on. So where should we start first, Mick? I think I think we go with the usual, um, the usual routine, which is to start with the bad, build ourselves up. Because I don't think there's that much bad in this week. So let's just get it out of the way. And to be honest, the first bad that you've written down in the notes, thank you so much for doing that today because I just have not had time to uh, to do much myself, is Jalen Hurts making it. I'm a little bit surprised in this because I understand two interception is bad. So I don't disagree that it, there's, there is bad in there. Um, I feel like the Eagles have got incrementally better over the first three games. So the passing game, pretty much non-existent in the first game. Getting there in the second game with a couple of deep bombs to Devontae Smith. And in this game, I think the passing was reasonably 
was basically okay. Sounds a bit contradictory. I think it was more than okay. I think it was it was getting there. We were like you said, we were marching down the field. A few AJ Brown catches, a few AJ Brown misses or drops, whichever way you want to look at them. I don't think that the the um, the Jalen Hurts performance was was terrible. And we um, obviously found out during the game that before the game it was announced by Adam Schefter that he was suffering from from flu like symptoms and. You know, I don't know about you, Mick, but I think if I was suffering from the flu, I don't think I'd be able to pull out a performance as as good as that with sort of two hundred and forty-seven. I think it was passing yards, two hundred seventy-seven passing yards and a touchdown um, and a rushing touchdown. I mean, if I'm feeling like crap, I definitely ain't sticking my head in where two a defensive line and an offensive line meet. Um, so I don't think he. Belongs solely in the bad. I mean, if you want to encapsulate it as the two interceptions, I think fair enough. But I think he's sort of straddling the good and the bad. So he's a bit of a mixed bag this week. But obviously, we don't have a mixed bag. <laughs> it's a voice note from Deeb, so we can't really do that one. Um, talk to me about the two interceptions first off, Mick. So what, what given I've obviously read the, the notes that you've put, so I know that there's sort of some explanations for it. So... Give, tell me why you think that they are firmly in the bad and that, that, that Jalen Hurts in big, bold writing is in the bad column this week. Well, I mean, it is harsh to put him in the bad column, like you said, because it has been incrementally better every single week. Um, and Jalen's virginal get better every day. Um, he's been doing that since since the, the week, uh, sorry, the, the season opener against the Patriots. And... You know, it's just the, the interceptions at the time were quite ugly. I thought, like, what's, what's he looking at there? What's he seeing there? But, you know, stepping away from the game, having a night's sleep over it, looking back over what actually happened on the field, the two interceptions can be fairly explained and uh, that they weren't completely Jalen's fault and they weren't, you know, turnovers. I think it's more shocking to us as Eagles fans because we're just not used to seeing Jalen turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. This, this, this much anyway. Like to start the season, he's thrown a couple of interceptions already this year, but he done it so very few times last year. It just, it's just sort of eye popping, and you just don't expect it. And um, <clears throat> so that that's sort of why it mixes into the bad column. Because then again, if, if we're playing a team. You know, maybe the defense aren't having the best game. We're playing a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, and those interceptions and turnovers can turn. You know, they can turn into fourteen points real, real quick. Um, so these are the things that we sort of need to iron out, get out of the way early in the season before we get to the hard stretch later on. Once we've got the Chiefs and the Bills and the Forty Niners and all the rest of them <clears throat> that we've still to um, play this year, but. So for the, the the two interceptions, one was a looked fairly obvious miscommunication with with the route runner. I think it was Swift um, from memory. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know if he could get that one back, I'm sure he would. Uh, but you know they, these things happen on the football field I, again. And the other one where he threw it up for Devonte um, in the end zone, and it was or a couple of yards from the end zone maybe, and the uh, the um, Buccaneers player just made a great play on the ball um, and made the, the athletic interception. And again, yeah. I don't mind them taking those kind of shots up the field. I mean, nine times out of ten, Devontae high points the ball and takes it down, you know, for six. 
six on six, but it's just uh, yeah, I, th- I think unfortunate. Really, I think the Bucks deserve credit for that one. The um, uh, that was you're right, right. It was a couple of yards from the from the end zone because that was the interception that led to the eventual safety. Because I do remember it was like, oh no, right on the goal line, but they were <laughs> literally right there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, there's a reason I was sort of quite surprised to see Jalen Hurts firmly in the bad for for those two interception was that 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 touchdown pass to Alameda Zacchaeus, um easy for me to say was absolutely spot on and I think there were a couple other passes which and he was it was one of the first times we'd seen this season especially that seen Hurts sort of sit in the pocket not immediately put his foot down and try and get outside the pocket he held it for quite a while about two or three seconds at least and then literally could not have been more perfect because he got it just over the defender's fingertips straight into Zacchaeus's his hands. And also, I think Zacchaeus was running a completely different route for what way he was on the field at the time because of Hurts holding onto the ball so long. So, you know, he recognised Zacchaeus's movement across the field and that delivered an absolute bomb. So, I mean, one for one, absolutely rules out one of the interceptions when you when you when you're able to do that. I think so. He is probably still in the bad for, for the fact that there was two. But I think he's obviously saved by the fact that the Eagles' defence is so solid and that the Eagles convincingly won the game. As you said, against a team like the Chiefs, you're going to get absolutely punished. So hopefully, and we all know how Hurts operates. He doesn't sit in he doesn't sit on his in his backside just sort of thinking, ah, don't worry about it. He will be getting better. He'll be working on it. He will be taking it personally. There's no need to remind him about that. He doesn't he doesn't need that kind of motivation. He generates his own motivation. He'll have that, he'll have that interception or both of them on the on his on his screensaver for his phone before we know it. <laughs> um to remind himself and gear himself up for the next game. So yeah, it's it's struggling both lines, and I think um but I think it's unfair to sort of say he's been bad. I just think he had some 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 seriously bad moments that he needs to iron out. And you're right, the amount of in, um, turnovers that he's produced, five in the first, last four games, including the yeah. Super Bowl, I believe. And I think it is concerning because we're just not used to it. So hopefully it doesn't become the decline of Hurts. I don't think it will be, but that's sort of where it starts from. It starts from the, the, the turnovers. And if he can't fix that and that then becomes your big concern going into games and you don't want to have your strongest asset from the previous season being your one of your greatest concerns going into every game this season but I'm sure I'm sure he'll fix it and I'm sure he'll sort it out in the in the next few games before we get into that hard stretch um November to December but you know 277 yards as I said um Seventy one point six rating, I think, is pretty solid. It's definitely, like we said, incrementally better. So I think we'll um we'll leave him in both the bad and the good, but he's not um that it's not a massive concern going into the next game just yet. Um the other bad of night, we've just kind of touched on it um in a few points ago was was the red zone offense. I mean, it just I highlighted it in the group chat. You you agreed with me. Um it just seemed like as soon as they got into the red zone, they they ran out of ideas now. Is that still the uh, the immature play calling? Just isn't isn't complex enough. And once they realised yet again that the run game was so effective, it seemed like they 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 ceased to have those problems because you know they started running it a bit more and and getting to within one or two yards of the line and just punching it in. Um, it just felt very much like 
they, they just run out of ideas, Mick. I, I don't know what is it, is it. Is it the coaching, or is it hurts, or is it is it just the, the the rustiness still from the from the players themselves? Yeah, it seems to be just a, a bit of a mixed bag of, of, of a few different things. So, like you said, it's it's Brian Johnson's inexperience of play calling as a coach. It's Jalen Hurts not quite being Jalen Hurts at the moment. Um, you know, there's been a, a few drops as well. So, you know, receivers just maybe not being at the top of their game. So, we would talk about Rust being three games into the season. Um, and it's just, it's just sort of go, falls a bit flat because we're all getting hyped up, you know, like marching down the field. AJ Brown's got his luminous yellow cleats on and everything's looking a bit a bit sick, a bit, uh, to use one of Liam's words, um, on offence. And for it just to peter out the way it does, and then, you know, Jake Elliott hits the field goal, you're like, yeah, three points. But, you know, you, you know yourself, you want to see the big plays, you want to see explosive plays on offence, you want to see guys hauling that ball in for six, you want to see the touchdowns. AJ Brown was absolutely dying for a touchdown on that game. Um, unfortunately, he didn't quite get there, but he got the yard. So hopefully, no wide receiver drama in the locker room this week. Um, but it's just cost, another... cost me two hundred pounds. No AJ Brown touchdown. I mean, I'm not angry at him. I'm just disappointed. Um, <sighs> everything else came in from a bet. Nice little long, long shot bet. All the yardage came in. Even the Baker interception came in. And he had about three. <laughs> he must have had about three, three chances, mate, to get him to have a touchdown and back me two hundred quid. But it's money's not everything, and and the win's more important. I think I'm okay. I've made peace with it. Well, if you get the win, it does make it a bit better. If if you if you end up losing the game and losing your bet, it's uh, it's a bit more heartbreaking, especially when you're up to half three in the morning, and uh, there's nothing worse being up that late and watching a loss in <coughs> Notre Dame. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know, AJ actually he dropped one in the end zone as well, didn't he? Towards the towards the end, I think. Uh, the ball was was placed. Well, he, uh, a couple of Hertz high pointed it to him. Yeah. Sorry, Mick, to cut across you. Yeah, there's a little bit of a delay on the on the line, but the um again similar to the the OZ touchdown, he had to high point it to him because he, he literally brushed the defender's fingertips. It's almost just like I kind of do put AJ. I don't think AJ had a great game. I think the fact that he got over a hundred yards um, yet again. Um, first time since the Bears last season, to be honest. But um, I feel like he's not the AJ that we saw this time last season when we were sort of facing the Steelers, the the Titans. Um, do you think he's a bit rusty, or, or do you think that there's something more more going on there? AJ, um, I don't know. I, I think mm. it's just because the offense hasn't been clicking and Jalen's not quite been Jalen, and that's why AJ's not been. AJ either. Uh, I do think I have like a, a small concern. It's just like something that sort of just bubbles up on me sometimes, and I push it down, just push it down, just go nah, go, let's not bring that up, Mike. But <laughs> but just in the way that I think AJ Brown, like if he, I think he's quite lazy sometimes, um, especially mm. when he's route running. And see if he knows he's not getting the ball, he doesn't seem to try as hard, um, and his blocking has always yeah. been a bit suspect um whereas you look at a guy like Devonte, and Devonte gives it his all 
all the time. He's always in there. He's, he's tri- and he's he's like 30, 40 pounds uh, lighter than AJ, and he's in there trying to block guys, uh, shove guys out of the way. He's lining up next to my lateral <laughs> uh, on the on the line. Um, Smith is battling and he's running the cleanest routes you'll ever see. Even if even if he knows he knows he's not getting the target share, and you never really see him moaning about it either. I think Devontae Smith is like the perfect receiver. Um, I think maybe AJ could take a leaf out of his book sometimes. Yeah, and I've just sort of realised that we've uh, we started off the bad talking about Jalen Hurts and kind of saying that he's also good. And AJ Brown's actually in the good column this week because obviously, as we mentioned, he got 131 yards on nine receptions. Um, so it feels like we're kind of flipping, we're kind of all over the place in our assessments this week. We're, we're, we're saying people are bad, but we're putting them in the good column. We're saying people are good, but we've also got them in the bad column. Um, it just kind of goes to show how how mixed the game was. When you really get down to the fundamentals, we, like you said, we love the win and we're all happy because the game felt fairly confident, but there was quite a mixed bag in here. So we just obviously, we've kind of done this a bit um, back to front, but talking about AJ and is it a concern? But he did have 131 targets. The And when the offense was, was going down the field, it felt very much like AJ Brown, AJ Brown and those comfortable catches. And then, you know, I think, I'm trying to think. I think I saw the stat last night. I think at least two thirds of his yardage was after the catch. Um, so there are no deep bombs to AJ. He was doing the yardage work himself. So we call him lazy and we say that maybe he's a little bit disinterested if he's not the primary focus of the play. But the guy gets results, I suppose. So ultimately, can't complain too much. Can yeah, Would you agree with that, Mick? Yeah, no, of course. That, I mean, this is like the, the nittiest pick you'll ever see. Um, from me anyway on this podcast and, and it's like I'm not trying to say you know AJ and Devontae and make, make it a, a whole thing um, like the, the media sort of tries to do I'm not doing that um, AJ is a superstar on our team and we need him so much this year um, and he's going to be so good for us like you said he got 131 yards this this um, this game I think we all <laughs> We had a look at the, the the game predictions that we put out for the British and Irish Eagles members this week, and I think everyone had AJ Brown either first touchdown or most receiving yards because everybody yeah. thought this is the AJ Brown redemption game. This is where he sees all his targets and and AJ eats. Um, and and I'm sure there'll be plenty, plenty, plenty more games similar. Yeah, I think. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, you read the narrative and I was like, AJ Brown. I wasn't convinced about the first touchdown because I felt that first touchdown very much follows a different narrative. But quite often you find that if, if AJ Brown's coming into the game, you think he's going to get the most receiving yards because he of what happened in the previous game. And, and we know that people generally quite often bounce back in these situations. It was, um, yeah, I think at least... 75 to 80 percent or maybe more went for aj brown on the uh receiving yard so spoiler alert guys if you were put aj brown you probably haven't got you haven't really made, gained much of an advantage on anyone else because we're all probably in the same boat however definitely what can be definitely said is that absolutely no one not so one single person got the first touchdown Gora, you wouldn't be surprised at all in uh alameda's kias um so it all comes down to the score, which, spoiler alert, no one got any of the scores right. 
apart from the wins. Everyone gets a point for the win. Obviously, we always go for the win, apart from one or two people who were realistic for my own liking. But um, the, uh, there's a couple of outside the boxes I think that might have come in this week. One particular one, uh, I won't embarrass him on this uh, this podcast in front of Mick because we know how much Mick loves Britain Covey, but predicted that Britain Covey would return a ball for 50 plus yards. And of course, he got one for 51. So uh, <laughs> I know, I think, I wonder what would have happened, Mick, if he'd actually made it to the house. How would you have felt? I mean, how first of all, how do you feel about Britain Covey getting past the 20 yard line? Then how do you feel about him getting to halfway? And then how would you have felt if he'd gone all the way? <laughs> well, uh, I thought he was going to get a nosebleed after he got past the 20 yard line. Um, once he got to the halfway line, I thought he was going to kill over and die. Uh, if he ever took it to the house, maybe I would kill over and die. Um, just to, uh, <laughs> sheer surprise. But honestly, I would be dancing around the living room if we had a punt return for a touchdown. Like at the end of the day, I'm an Eels fan. I'll take anybody um, bringing in for a score, even uh, sign Rager back to the practice squad and he brings one in. I'll be celebrating it. I don't care <laughs> uh, if, if, he, if he brings one in for a score. I mean, it's, but... it's interesting that. Obviously, before the game, Devin Allen was elevated from the practice squad to the active roster. So we had, and we he did. I'm pretty sure he did uh, have at least one return himself, um, which was exciting to see. I think something different before Covey had his 50 yard return. But it's interesting that, both, obviously, the reason being because Creswell Pins was ruled inactive, so they they had an extra wide receiver brought up as the in the backup roles um, and special teams element. Are you still wanting to see more Devon Allen or are you sort of thinking, oh, Covey's showing a bit of promise here. Maybe this is the sign of something something positive? Well, of course it's positive. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Covey to be the punt returner as long as, you know, he can perform the way he did. I mean, you're not expecting him to return 150 yards every single game. That's unreasonable. But um, even for the rest of the special teams, I mean, they had a good day out. Uh, like just for the blocking to to make those holes for Covey to to um make his cuts upfield. Uh, I think Covey's vision is also improving. It's probably the more he does it, the more evolved he gets, the more he sees on the field and uh, has a better feel for it. Because let's face it, he's not on the field an awful lot. Um, I don't have his snap count in front of me, but it couldn't have been much um outside of of what he actually does on the returns. Um, Devin Allen, I've never actually been really high on. Um, I know a lot of people are because he's like the Olympian and does the hurdling and stuff. But I've always sort of been in the camp of, right, focus on football. I know that you're like jumping over fucking sticks, mate, but like get your head in the football game. You're paid to be an Eagles player. <laughs> um, let's, see what you can, let's see what you can do. Um, so... I'm not actually. Yeah, Britain Covey played five five less snaps on on special teams than than Devon Allen did. Devon Allen had eleven snaps on special teams. Britain Covey had six. Although Britain Covey also had four snaps on offense, so maybe that was a reason why when Covey was brought into the actual offensive snaps, that was where um, Devon Allen was left to to ply his trade. But sorry to cut across you. This is um not. Not great at connection, so I do apologise, guys, if there's a bit of over overtalk. But we'll um, we'll power through um, onto what was last week's damn right sexy, but is not this week. So did I do the soundbite here tonight? We'll, we'll mm -hmm. save it, save it. 
Um, DeAndre Swift, another 100-plus yard receiving game. Um, The second straight week, it's the second time in his career that he's achieved 100-plus rushing yards in back-to-back games. Looked explosive. We obviously touched on the fact that on the fourth and two um, turnover on downs at the start of the match, um, Gainwell was put in instead of uh, Swift, which was baffling to us. Although Gainwell isn't terrible. In the first game, he did do a job. It's just the fact that Swift has been so much more exciting, explosive, and and, and obviously had so much more success. Um, I think... It's partly because they're obviously trying to want to break him. I, I was definitely worried last week. 175 yards was great, but I was worried that it would be one one snap too many for him. Um, and we end up might breaking it. Don't ruin a good thing. And maybe that's what the Eagles were trying to do in this game. But ultimately, just and one particular play of note was just running up the middle, just the part of the Red Sea. And it felt like, and hurdling, um, I'm not sure who the player was, but uh, the safety i think it was for tampa bay um just hurdling him and getting an extra sort of five or six yards after after jumping over someone um this he ain't he ain't miles sanders mate i think is the the theme that's getting spoken about across the board is that this feels different i mean do you have it's hard to figure out the question here because i don't want to disperse miles sanders too much but there was definitely you know Miles Sanders always felt like he's on the cusp of being elite, but never quite had the ability or the consistency to really take that next step up. But it feels like that's what we got in Swift. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I, I was saying last night, it's like this uh, in the group chat um, during the game, and we were sort of just chatting amongst ourselves, like this feels different than what we've had before or over the last you know, X number of years when Mel Sanders uh, in the backfield. Swift just brings another dimension to this offense. It's not the same with with Gainwell. It's not the same. It wasn't the same with Sanders. Swift is, you know, he's balling out on that field. And I, I don't really blame them for pulling him during the game to try and conserve a bit of his batteries because there's always that injury concern. He had that injury concern at Detroit. Um, so I, I guess the Eagles are trying to just make sure they keep this guy healthy because of how explosive he's been so far in, in an Eagles uniform. And we did see glimpses of it when he was with the Lions. And, you know, injuries happened. It didn't quite work out. They ended up signing Montgomery and Gibbs to replace him. And Swift, <laughs> it shows you what an offensive line can do. But, I mean, uh, the Lions offensive line isn't terrible. It's probably one of the top five, top three offensive lines in the league um but they're not doing what swift is doing because you get special players you get, you get this is the thing you see it's the it was the it's, it goes back to the whole debate that we had in the offseason about Bijan robinson um about jonathan taylor and we were saying you know these guys just add another element to the offense like we get that running backs are a dime a dozen put anybody behind this line and they'll run for a, a thousand yards that's not strictly true because we've, we've seen it we've got these players behind this offensive line Gainwell, well he's a good player i think he's a good player but he's not what swift is and it's just another weapon that philadelphia have 
in the back pocket as well because we're trying to get the passing game going. We're trying to get Jalen Hurts going in a flow. And then we go, you know what? We're just going to run for 200 yards on a team. You know, the rate it started raining, let's just run for 200 yards. <laughs> and that's bonkers. That is absolutely bonkers. And the, and the fact that we've got a player that can just um, run straight up the gut and, you know, break free, make a cut, and he's up 10 yards, first down, you know, it's it's it's, it's just such valuable valuable weapon to have. I think I'm never one for, for random aspects of non-football related aspects of a game having an impact on the actual game itself but um some of the people that have just come out and said like how how sexy does that zero look on on swift is coming through but to me generally when i see that zero it almost like i feel like i get an absolute confidence boost in whatever's going to happen i don't know whether it's the zero or it's just the fact that i know it's swift but whether it's the symbol symbolism of the big gaping hole on his chest is also what he's going to push through to get through the the <laughs> defensive line and, and and smash through i don't know if there's some sort of subconscious uh connection being made there but it just it, it just feels different and from the guy on the pod who shoots with his gut i know that's not a phrase that's a sort of mixed metaphor there but um it's the eye test for me and and when you sort of you just have absolute confidence that he's going to get uh, uh <laughs> shit ton of yards for lack of a more child-friendly <laughs> way to put it but you know he's 8.1 average yards per carry in that game um 130 yards rushing it's just there's there's it doesn't even feel like it's something to be really made a big note of anymore it almost feels like yeah so so what Swift's going to run for another 100 yards no big deal um, that's what we got from him, and we got from an absolute steal. The Lions didn't want him; they decided to go with Jamal Gibbs and and Montgomery. Montgomery's now injured. Gibbs, I think, is is obviously being used sparingly, um, bringing him into the NFL. But you you know, you said the Lions' offensive line wasn't terrible, so you really think Swift could have done a good job there. I mean, I'm, we're not going to delve into why the real reasons why. The Lions may have gotten rid of him, but their loss is certainly our gain on that one. So um, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. I just hope, like I said, we don't, we don't break him. So, right. Let's move on to the final um, good before we get onto the, the DRS, um, which is the run defense. So nicely um, segue from run offense to run defense. We now have... As of week three, yes, it is only week three, but let's get excited. We have the number one rush defense in the NFL, and that is no fluke. Over the three games, we have conceded less than 45 rushing yards to, yes, the Vikings, yes, the Patriots, yes, the Buccaneers. But that's just a symbolic of everyone wanting to put the Eagles down, is that when we do well, it's, yeah, it's only these teams. But if you do that with three teams in the NFL, you're not going to find any other team that's going to have managed to do that. And I think it's indicative of Jordan Davis having a great season um, so far. You know, Fletcher Cox, Brendan Graham, uh, Jalen Carter, obviously, um, and the secondary coming in as well to sort of to stuff the run. But it just felt like they were never going to get 
anything going and obviously culminating in the in the epic safety play which um after the game uh nicholas morrow was was being interviewed and he just basically said it's just a great scheme by sean desai um knowing uh trying to double team jalen carter just leaves him free and it was just like just go straight down the middle go hell for leather and that's exactly what happened and it was sort of uh, the amount of uh, we obviously in a, in a in a group NFL chat, so we have a few Bucks fans that we were talking to through the game, and even they simultaneously, all of them unanimously said, "Why the hell are you trying to run it down the middle against what well, wasn't at the time until after the game the number one rush defense?" But even then, they were well aware how good our rush defense was, and to try and escape off the one yard line through the middle was was sort of possibly bad play calling, but. I'm just going to say that our rush defense is probably what is going to sort of get us to the Super Bowl at this point in time. And I know that's a bit of a, a leap from week three to the to the Super Bowl, but I feel like if that's your game, when you go into a game, especially the amount of teams that are, we're going to be facing, that are going to be running it down our throat. Dallas love to sort of run it down our throat. I know they're not going to see Kelly or anything like that anymore. Um, but you've got teams that are going to try and run it down our throat. I mean, you look at, you've only got to look so far to uh, our opponents in week eight or seven or eight, the Miami Dolphins, the game that they've just had, putting up 70 points on the, the Denver Broncos and four touchdowns going to running backs. And the running backs going for over 300 yards, 350 yards, I think, between them. When we come up against a team like that, this rush defense only conceding less than 45 yards per game. It's going to be a fact. I mean, even Mike McDaniels isn't not going to be walking into that game going, oh, we're just going to run it down their throat. It's going to second guess their, you know, the opportunities that they're going to get during that game, Mick. So am I am I way am I am I doing a Liam type leap going too far into the future and, and making wild bold claims that are completely outside of my comfort zone by saying this rush defense is going to be what gets us to the Super Bowl? No, I love it, Phil. It's a take. Um, you're not known for those very often, so um, we'll take them when we get them. Um, <laughs> I, I love it because we were talking about this very thing on last week's podcast where we said, you know, Ramondre Stevenson had, like, hardly any yards against us. Madison had, like, hardly any yards against us, and the run defense looked like it was the real deal. And again, they come out against Tampa. Tampa, for whatever reason, kept running on first down. Don't know why, because they were never, ever getting anywhere with the run defense and they kept it was one of those definition of madness like doing the mm-hmm. same thing expecting a different result um and it was just forcing them into second and long third and long and then it was three and out before they knew it and the, and the ball was back in the hands of our offense and if, if if our run defense can replicate that especially once we get into the winter months you know you look at the weather games the link is an you know a external outdoor stadium it doesn't have a dome um <clears throat> so when you get these weather games the run game becomes so important because you just can't throw the ball because it's either too windy or too wet or, or all sorts of weather factors um and to have such a dominant run defense that's so valuable like i said especially in in, in the upcoming upcoming months um and it, it's like Jordan Davis, Jordan <laughs> Davis, my God! Like I knew he was going to be a, a good player um, for Philadelphia when we drafted them. 
I remember seeing him on the field for Georgia and just being like, wow, look at the size of this gentle giant. And, and he is, that's, and that's one of the things I love most about um, uh, Jordan Davis is, is how much of a nice guy he is on the exterior as well. Just seems like a big uh, sort of cuddly guy that's, um, I don't know, I, I, I want to cuddle from Jordan think, Davis, but I'm getting it. I, I but, think given, <laughs> well, given, he, given his sort of the question mark, sorry, around him um, on his rookie season where he had a good start, got injured, then didn't come back quite the same uh, impactful force. The fact that he's come out this season has been, and him, Jalen Carter, um, have just come in and now it's just like, if I was another team, a fan of another team, I would, I would, I just don't want to be facing the Eagles because that, though, for those two alone, and they're rookies, well, no, no, one is a rookie, one is a sophomore now, but um, it's, you know, you used to be frightened of Fletcher Cox, you used to be frightened of, of Brandon Graham, you know, last season going into the season, you sh- you would be frightened of Hassan Reddick, um, who's had a bit of a quiet start to the season. But the fact that the two players that people are fearful of are very very young in their career and made such an impact early on, just just getting the fans all giddy, Mick, isn't it? Like it's just we can't believe what we've got on our hands for potentially decade plus. Well, that's that's the most exciting thing about uh, our roster and how Harry Roseman has built it. In that, you know, we've not done a Rams, you know, we've not, and we've not done a Tampa, and that was like have all these aging players and just selling draft picks to, you know, win the chip. And whilst I mean, that, it works, <laughs> it does work. There's um, still time, and but it's it's good to know that you know we've got these players and there's just you know the window is not closing, the window is opening. Um, we're sitting in 2023, but we've got, we've got Jalen Hurts under long-term contracts. We've got these very, very exciting young Georgia dogs on the on the front line of the defense. Um, we've got young pieces all we're picking up UDFAs. Harry Roseman's on an absolute roller just now, um, and it's, it can only be good for the franchise moving forward. Uh, you know, we're, we're we're sort of trying to bring younger guys into the offensive line because that's where we, we sort of seen where we were starting to age and uh you know cam jurgens has come in and we've not spoke a lot about him this season so far but cam is cam slotted in pretty well and it just shows you know how many times he goes have run the inside zone um so far this season and the success that we've had with that you know cam you can get to the second level making the you know parting the red seas you know cam on one side you've got landon on the other it's you know two young guys, you know you know Lane and Kelsey, yeah, of course they they'll eventually hang up their cleats, um soon sooner or later. But you know we've still got these young pieces all over the roster, and it's and it's an exciting time to be an Eagles fan. It's it's really I mean hats off to to Howie how he's how he's um cobbled this roster together. It's uh it's exciting. Spot on, Mick. I think. It is just, I mean, like I said, there's, there's still time. I think there's definitely a, a free agent or a, a trade deadline signing coming to the Eagles. I think given, like I said in the last part, given how the injuries have seemed to have affected us so far, I feel like it'd probably be more in those kind of areas in the secondary area. But you're looking at teams that are sort of struggling. I mean, when is, I 
jump in if you know when the trade deadline is. I can't off the top of my head, but at what point in the season that will be, what teams are um, 0-4, you know, 1-4, 1-5, so on and so forth. It's There's going to be some good teams out there or some teams with some really good players coming in that we have got the cap space for. We can give up a few mid-round picks for if, if needs be. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's out there. I think given Swift start of the season, even I'm now convinced that we don't need him, much like the Dolphins with A-Shane, now convinced. Unfortunately, if you've missed out on your boat, possibly with those two good teams there, Taylor. But there's definitely going to be, um, you know, I mean, you can look at wide receiver. There's teams like people thought Mike Evans might be an option, but obviously the Buccaneers have started out better. There's even talks of like the the, the, the Vikings possibly trade just him. So I know there's nothing to nothing to that at all. I don't believe that for a second, but it just goes to show that depending on how a team starts out in the season, you can have some pretty lucrative talent sort of available for the right price. And you imagine just at the moment adding a player of of elite quality that's in a team that's just not going to go anywhere this season and coming to the end of this contract, joining this team and just really being that cherry on the, on top. It's just it's just an exciting time to be an Eagles fan because we're not, like I said, like the Rams did, giving up every single pick they own to get aging talent. And then, you know, gambling, it worked, given. I accept that. But then you, you're you gambling on a one-season one wonder. You know, you're not trying to make create a dynasty, which is essentially what the Eagles and Howie Roseman have the beginnings of. You know, if they can achieve some success in this time, then, then it will be classed as a dynasty. If it's not, you know, you can almost argue that if they don't win the Super Bowl in the next three to four years, that it will be considered a failure with the given how well the roster's constructed and how much potential there is. You can't say that there's an Eagles fan out there that isn't that wouldn't be extremely disappointed if we don't get that second Super Bowl before that window starts to close again. Would you, would you say that's would am I far off the point then? No, I don't as I mean, I think that's the expectation that we've put on the Eagles this season. Um, knowing how you know, sort of weak the NFC has looked um, on the face of things, you, you know that there are teams in the NFC that have, you know we have to you know give respect to, and you know Forty Niners is one of them. Start of the season, I thought Brock Purdy wasn't going to be it. He, um, he was going to show that he was just a flash in the pan. Doesn't look that way so far. I know we're only three games in, but he does. He is playing exceedingly well, and maybe that's the you know maybe he's a system quarterback um, for Shanahan. Uh, we can start calling him the system instead of Jalen uh, Dallas. Although, well, well, you you you, you joke about the, the the Purdy system court, but, but I think you're absolutely spot on there. I mean, I'm nothing against Purdy, but I I think people should be arguing that that's like what they were saying about Jalen last year is exactly what they should be saying about Brock Purdy this season. And credit to him, he's performing to a high standard. But in a 49ers team. But the additions they've made, Javon Hargrave obviously being one of them, and, and the quality they've got receiving option-wise, I'd expect a quarterback, this is what makes the trail out saga all the more baffling. But the fact that Brock Purdy has come in, yeah, credit to it, but he is definitely a, a product of being in the right system. Um, sorry to cut across you there, mate. No, it's fine. Um, I was just going to pop in and say that the trade deadline is the 31st of October, so that's Halloween. Um Circle that on your calendar. You won't be trick or treating that night film. I'm afraid with Bodie, you'll be sitting on Twitter 
pressing the refresh button to see if okay. well that is, that is the that is the beauty <laughs> of the time difference is that i will be able to go out check a tree in and i will be able to come in once he, uh, and eat all his candy um and watch the the unbelievable blockbuster trade that's going to come in or trades maybe that are going to come in for the eagles but we'll see we'll see but no it's good to know so there's so by that point that's um that's week nine week eight week nine um so there's going to be teams out there that are going to know where they are at that point and and out of the teams that have got you know before we get to the damn right sexy sorry guys i know we will get there eventually um out of the teams that you think are the starts that they've had do you think who have you got anybody sort of you've circled in the roster so they own three teams the one and two teams you think if they're going to have a bad season there's some quality players that might be floating around come that time or is that putting you on the spot a bit there's a little bit but uh, i mean i think we're still in the phase of the nfl where we're trying to figure out who the good teams are and who the bad teams really are Although we can unequivocally say that the Bears are the worst team in the NFL, they are fucking dog shit, and they're going to be the first overall pick. Um, <laughs> but t- teams are still figuring out who they are. We, l- we looked last week, and it was like all these undefeated teams still. Um, even coming into this game against the Bucks, they were like, "Oh, the Bucks are undefeated, and they're going to do this and going to do that." And it's like we just swiped them away because the 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 further you would get into the season, but on week three now, soon it be week four. There's now only three undefeated teams, so it's Philly, uh, Miami, and um, I've forgotten who the last one is. <laughs> Doesn't matter, but it's a decent team. <laughs> the point <laughs> being is that the, the teams are starting to separate now. So we're starting to see where the bad teams are, where the good teams are, and, and as the closer we get to the 31st of October, t- teams will start to go right. It's time to reset. You know, they're maybe playing in a at a bad division. Maybe they think they've still got a chance. You know, you look at even you look at that NFC North and you think you know the Lions, Green Bay aren't terrible. Jordan Love is actually not a bad quarterback, but the Vikings have been. You know, the Vikings have started zero and three. The Vikings aren't a terrible team, but they've started zero and three. Um, it's yeah, Howie will be on the phone to most of the GMs mm. around the league, I'm sure, to see, you know, like, yeah, you know, you, you might not have had the, the best start to the season that you ever thought about, you know, uh, Justin Simmons, what's going on with Justin Simmons uh, mm-hmm. uh, over at the Broncos, but... Well, by that, know, by that point, Buddha Baker will obviously be back off IR. There's a strong shout that the Eagles might go for a player of his quality as well. Well, that, well that's it. Um, it, 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 could, it. It could very well come out that way and, and we've got we know that we've got quite a bit of draft capital next year with um some of the the um the comp picks that, there you go thank you very much Phil the comp picks that we have extra as well as we have the Saints um extra second as well from that trade a couple of years back so um a second a second will get you some re- some reasonable talent if you uh, you if you could do a a third with a conditional second even get it now the how he how he likes to work his magic. I think you can get some reasonable talent for that kind of draft capital. Even if he sells at our second and we keep the Saints second because the Saints are a bit shit. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr I think's just got hurt, so I, I don't expect them to be winning too much anytime soon. Um, no, no. So it, it could be that we we put that pick up for sale and and see who we can bring in to get us over the line this season. You know, that's uh, we've already had our injury troubles. In the in the secondary and the linebackers and you know the, 
injury bug could strike again and we could be looking to replace someone on the roster. Hopefully not, not Buckland Wood and all that sort of thing. But um yeah, we'll see over the coming weeks how how we get on. Yeah. Right. Well that's enough tangents for one evening. Let's get to the, the bit that you've all been waiting for. The the sound bite will be coming in any second now. Damn right sexy. The damn right sexy. Damn right sexy for this week is of course Jalen Carr. We've mentioned him repeatedly in the build up to this. It's hard not to with the impact that he's had in the game. Half a sack, QB hit, two forced fumbles. Carter has had the most pressures of any defensive tackle in the league with 15. He's had the most hurries of 12 of any defensive tackle in the league and third most of any defender. Fifth highest PFF grade of any player in the NFL at night, 3.2. All while still playing under half the defensive snaps make. I mean, that's actually unbelievable. And I know Liam, shout out Liam, um, has been sort of dipping in the uh, NFL chats that we're in and popped up today, couldn't help himself, had to sort of plaster that all over the, the, um, the social <laughs> yeah. media. Um, obviously, naturally attracting people trying to dismiss it, but failing miserably in far as I'm concerned, because how can you argue against that kind of production? You know, if that's what he's doing with half the game, imagine what he could do with all of it, Mick. I mean, is there... I mean, we, you mentioned Bijan Robinson a minute ago when we were talking about um, the, the running game and Devon, uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, imagine what the Eagles could could do if they picked um, Bijan Robinson in the way their running game has been operating the first three games. But that argument gets blown out of the water when you immediately go, well, we got Jalen Carr and look at what he's turned out to be and how much more valuable that is. When you've picked up Swift and you've got Jalen Carr, you take that any day over over having Bijan Robinson and any and anybody else that might come in defensive line. Yeah, I'll just take it away, Nick. Tell me, tell me how impressive is that considering he's only played half the snaps? And the baby Rhino has arrived in the NFL and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Ah, uh, uh, it's just delightful. Like, see, all the concerns that we had in the off season have just now been blown away. Like, you don't even think about it anymore. Like, it's gone. Forget about it. The guy is producing on the field. That's what we needed to see. And that's what he's doing. And he's he's surpassing any expectations that we had. We thought, you know, he's defensive tackle. And, you know, it takes them, it takes those guys a while to get up to speed and, you know, get up to NFL speed. Because as we know, the college isn't the same speed as NFL. And there's, there's quite a fair transition period between. Um, but Jalen Carroll is just tore it apart he's, he's, he's you know he's, he's took the rule book and just psh, made it his own uh he's flying out of out of his um out of his position he i think he recorded like one of the fastest get off times in the nfl or he's definitely top five anyway i think um a few of the Eagles defensive line might even be on that and from the the next gen stats that have been posted um Jalen Carroll is just a fabulous player. Um, we couldn't ask for any better than he's doing so far. Uh, and the fact that you know we've got him next to Jordan Davis, his old college buddy. Um, we've got another few Georgia Bulldogs dotted around the roster, still waiting. You know, for them to break out. You know, we've still got Nolan Smith. We've still got Kaylee Ringo as well. Um, 
Nicobe Dean still in well, he's on IR at the moment, but he'll be back in the squad soon. But Jalen Carter, I, I just I always remember talking to you guys about this when we drafted Jordan Davis, and the whole talk was like, yeah, you, you may have drafted Jordan Davis, but wait till you see the next guy from Georgia, he's going to be even better. And I it's do kind of, and, and it's, it's that's 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 the way it's going. And I remember sitting watching, you know some Georgia games and thinking, oh, man, I wish we could I wish we could draft this guy. It's like watching college just now and you look at Marvin Harrison Jr., like the wide receiver from Ohio, and you think, oh, man, I wish Philadelphia could um, draft that guy. I mean, right, there's no chance of that because we don't have anyone else. We don't have two first-round picks this year. So <laughs> that's out the window. Forget that one. But um, the, the fact that uh, he fell to us, the other GMs around the league, I think he'll be kicking themselves a bit on that one. But it was also it was always going to be the best place possible for Jalen to, you know, flourish. Because like I said, he's got the he's got the Georgia guys around him and he's got most I think something that's maybe been a bit overlooked is Fletcher Cox and the guidance that Fletcher's given him. Um you see when Jalen makes that play for the force fumble, knocks the ball out, and Fletcher Cox is up there and he's like dancing around them and the both of them are just like um getting in it as if they're like brothers like best best of friends and i think you know fletcher cox was giving him guidance through the off season calling him up every day make sure you know he, he's, he's he's eating right and keeping right and you know he's training and keeping himself in shape and he's got his head in the right place and all that stuff so i mean shout out to fletcher cox on this as well uh for for the progression that we've seen from from jalen so far and i just i can't wait to see uh what's going on lock for the future um i've got a kelly green here yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's, a safe, that's a safe purchase. No, I think that's a safe purchase. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm supremely jealous. And I tell you what, when I go over for the Dallas game, I'm still undecided exactly who I'm going to get. It's defaulted at a Jalen Hurts, Kelly Green jersey, just because, for obvious reasons, they're the most in demand. They are the hot, the hot property. But if I can't get a Jalen Hurts one, it's up for grabs. And and you're absolutely right, a Jalen Carter, Kelly Green jersey. Um, it's a relatively safe bet and i think a heart back to those pods like you said when we were during the draft build up and 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 reviewing the draft the idea of drafting an entire well not an entire but mostly of an entire successful college defense drafting pretty much every player you can the best players on that defense for the last few years doesn't sound like it sounds like if you know, when me, when I was playing FIFA as a 10-year-old and you just sign all the, the best players in the world because it just seemed like you could just do it. You can manipulate the game and you can just do it. <laughs> and why doesn't everyone do that in real life? Because it's impossible. Well, Howie, it's not impossible in the NFL per se, but Howie has just gone, well, why not? You know, <laughs> keep it simple, stupid, as we like to say. You sign... A successful defense college yes college and nfl is are different but when you sign like the best players on that that defense is it, it and it comes to fruition people are like how is a genius and whilst i don't disagree with that sentiment it's not a complex plan it's not it's literally like go and get the good guy why not, why not, why not just yeah why not just sign them all like i'll just go for all these guys like yes you know you've got devon witherspoon you've got um, Christian Gonzalez, we did need cornerback help. We did, we Gonzo know, we, has been we, good. Gonzo has been good with the spoon's not been bad either. But it, 
if he had a chance to sign no, either one of those two, but chose obviously Jalen Carter Ford, you don't pass up on that guy. He's just, you see, it's just like, I'm just obviously going to do this simple thing. And, and, and when it comes into the season and people are going, look at all these Eagles players that they've that been performing well, all from the same college and how we signed them all. What a master strike. It just makes me laugh because it's, like I said, it's just, it's just doing something that seems blatantly obvious. Um, and it's it seems like a, a very good plan, and it's and it's coming up to fruition. And yeah, I'm running out of things, good things to say about Jalen Carter, but I was skeptical. I was I was one of those people, and I know Liam was there with me. That you know, personality, background stuff is important because it's all good and well being the best talented player in the draft. Shout out Henry Ruggs best wide receiver in his draft. We all know how that went. Um, I know that doesn't happen all the time, but you have to be wary of of all that sort of stuff behind the scenes. And I think they've done their due diligence and and you've mentioned it as well with Fletcher Cox. What better, you know, he's been taking him under his wing and what better person to take you under their wing than a, than a Super Bowl winner who is basically going, home. can go to you, see this ring. You thought you do everything I say, tell you to do. You follow exactly what I do. And don't screw up. One of these will be yours, and I fully believe that that he will be one of the reasons why we 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 win that Super Bowl along with the rush defense and and Jalen Carter to boot. So I think um, that's all we need to talk about on the damn right sexy for this week. Fully deserving Jalen Carter. No arguments with me this week, Mick. You have got hit nail on the head. Couldn't possibly be anyone else. Maybe a DeAndre Swift, but I think Jalen Carter takes it absolutely right. So before we get into the Commanders preview, which feels like it's going to be a very short segment because there's not a lot to talk about for them, just a few things to touch on that have come out of the game itself. Um, Sydney Brown did leave the game during the second quarter, um, and and Brown has a hamstring injury, which is but it's not considered serious. So I'm assuming. Um, he didn't have that many snaps in the game, but the ones he did were, were quite impactful. We had that, that, that was it considered a pass breaker or was it uh, pass defended? But essentially, yeah. he was in the right position, the right place at the right time, and then presented a, uh, a touchdown. Um, so hopefully we'll keep an eye on the injury report and see what happens with that during the week. But I, um, as we know, Sidney Brown is not considered a starter at the moment, so the impact of that is relatively low. What isn't what is significant though is Landon Dickinson exit in the game um, with a pair filling in at left guard for him. Um, Mick, have you got any any more context to that situation, or is it just uh, is that all you know right now? That's all I know just now, um, as of uh, what is this? Oh, I'm losing the days because I'm not at work. Tuesday, 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 Tuesday evening. So um, hopefully we'll know more over the, the next coming days before the Washington game on Sunday, but. Uh, obviously, that's that's one to watch out for because Landon Dickerson, uh, he had a great game. Um, again, you know, a run game depends on these these guys on the interior. Um, and Will Stewart adds um, pretty much seasoned veteran on our offensive line. He's 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 been there. He's done it. Um, he's still not Landon Dickerson, so I, I hope yeah. uh, I hope Dickerson can come through that injury. Uh, and 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 show up on Sunday. Uh, the the Sydney Brown one just sorry just circle back mm. on it a little bit. Um, I think they they did intend to play him at nickel, 
uh, a fair bit in this game. He did line up in that alignment when he was on the field and have Bradbury out in the um, in the outside. And uh, with Sydney going down, it sort of forced her hand because if you remember from last week when we were talking about, you know, with Maddox going down, who was going to be the replacement, we sort of we, we looked at Sydney Brown and said, you know, that that's a, a sneaky option because this guy has the athleticism. He's, he's a guy that can get across the field. And we saw that athleticism in the Bucks game. Unfortunately, he injured himself doing it, but it was the pass breakup with Mike Evans. Um, and what a shagger play that was. And I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> shagger Brown. I think he, he's, he's making a, a continual strong case to be anointed shagger of the 2023 season, but we'll see how his injury turns out and we'll see what opportunities he gets um, later on in the season. Um, Landon Dickinson for me has been my sneaky favorite player um, from since he got signed. Um, mm. From his just just one of those guys that I, I mean under the, under the radar kind of favorite players. Like um, every time I see he goes out, I kind of feel a little bit more upset than I would other players maybe because I feel like he's. He is. He's another sneaky Howie pick. Um, when we picked him up, he was he was um, injured, wasn't he? He was. He he had yeah. He had a couple of both knees go um, during college, and so every time he gets injured, I'm like, you know, we signed him because of his potential talent, but he has a tendency to get injured. So you're always a bit concerned, but hopefully um, that's just a um, just an in-game knock that he can he can shake off once we find out a bit more. Um, Last bit of news before we get into Liam's voice note, um, find out how he's getting on a holiday. I'm sure you're dying to find out exactly which <laughs> beach or cocktail he's drinking today. Um, just simply L O L D A L A S. And you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> F the Cowboys. Absolutely, Mick. Um, that's probably the highlight of my weekend. I mean, because given we were Monday Night Football, I can safely say that my weekend highlight was uh, was the Dallas Arizona game. And who'd have thought it? I think um, not to touch too much on it, but you know, even throughout the game, we were we were bigging it up. And I think Brian Steffi, shout out Brian in the in the group, was just like, surely you don't expect Arizona to uh, to see this out. I and mean, everyone unanimously said, but well, no, of course not. Like Dallas are going to come back and they're going to win this game because that's what Dallas tend to do, especially against poor teams and against a team like Arizona as we've seen in the first couple of weeks of the season have not been terrible but they've just capitulated late in the game because they forget they're trying to tank and then they uh, uh, eventually manage to find a way to lose the game but not against Dallas I don't even I still can't believe it man <laughs> I mean I mean we, 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 we dig out we've dug out Gannon so much for being a terrible defensive coordinator and um, being the reason why we lost the Super Bowl and all that sort of speculation and we can get up in arms. But I think he might just be my new favourite person. No, I'm joking. I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't... Um, I can't... Yeah. Shuts. Um, I can't I can't seriously um, say that with conviction. But seriously, I can say is that I'm... Thanks, Gannon. Like, cheers, mate. Thanks for helping us out. And thanks, Dak, for... Proving yet again that as soon as the Cowboys have an epic result, they always inevitably follow up with some unbelievably inexplicable defeat. Um, what is, give us your brief overall thoughts on that game before we move on, Mick. That's not touching it too long. I think the damage has been done. But what does that mean for you? 
F the Cowboys. Um, sorry, <laughs> get that in again. Uh, inject it straight into my veins. Get in my belly. Oh, a Dallas defeat. Oh, absolutely delicious. Delicious. And, and, and for it to come against the Cardinals, the worst team in the league, especially when Dallas are peacocking at the time because they're like, oh, we're the best team in the league. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. We're top of the power rankings. Shut fair, the fuck mate. up. <laughs> to be fair, I don't. I didn't really hear a lot from Dallas specifically about this. I think my mind always came from the league and the media, just kind of going, "Oh, Dallas are the best team. They beat a terrible Giants team, and then absolutely what was their what was their second their game last week against? I can't even remember. It's escaping me. Well, Dallas, it was um, the Jets. The Jets, that was of course against the Jets team without Aaron Rodgers. And it's like people are kind of falling over themselves to, to annoy Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowl champions 2023. And I'm not saying I wasn't 100% confident, but I was fairly confident. It's like Dallas do this. They they have a big result. They have a couple of big results. And then they do absolutely something terrible. And then people go, oh, yeah, sorry, I forget myself. I remember it's Dallas we're talking about now. Sorry to interrupt you there, mate, but carry on. No, it's fine. I was just I was just lauding it over them and and and, and delight of, of them taking the loss. But it it, it 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 sort of reminds me as well at the same time, you know, that Philadelphia are just so good at stacking wins and you know not to take games for granted because maybe that's what Dallas did. Maybe they they rolled in thinking, eh, it's just the Cardinals. We'll sweep them aside and we'll we'll get the dub and move on to the next game. It's not as easy as that in the NFL. Cardinals, whilst I thought they were going to be terrible this year, have, have been in some pretty hard-fought games. I mean, they took the Giants close before the um, second-half capitulation um, uh, in hilarious fashion. But it just goes to, you can't take wins for granted in the NFL. And the fact that we are sitting pretty at 3-0, and whilst not playing our best football, um, is a testament to this football team that we've, we've assembled. So um, it's just a, a nice, friendly reminder. For me. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm not sure if you if you've listened to any other pods in today since the game last night, but I listened to to Elliot Shaw Parks, obviously the Go Birds podcast, because they usually get one out pretty much straight away. So they're my usually my reaction pod for my own. Uh, neck of the woods. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's been recently up. He was uh, he was potentially going to come to the, uh, the with this the SPL game Celtic game that you went to, but unfortunately couldn't make it. Um, but that would have been epic just to just to see in a Celtic game with ESP would have been quite an, an experience. But um, his his sort of the tone of his pod was was very much the Eagles just win. And I know ESP is a bit of a divisive character and he can make sort of outlandish statements. But I get read between the lines what he's trying to say is that the Eagles just they win, and we 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 often end up quibbling over style points like you say Mick like you know oh, they didn't do this enough and Jalen Hurts wasn't perfect enough throwing but he's just stacking up wins and it's a it's a great place to be in like when you when you look at the Cowboys they are very much hot and cold like I wouldn't I said you know, I felt this way you know in previous seasons with the Cowboys it's like when you see them smash out a team 50 odd points you can think oh why can't the Eagles put 50 odd points up on X team that they're playing but the Cowboys fans often find that they'll do that one week and then they'll lose to the Cardinals the next week. So I'm, I'm happy with the position that we're, we're in at the moment where is, uh, we're playing teams and we're just being consistent and we're stacking up wins. So um, I'm loving it. But 
next point before we get into the uh the car the commander's uh preview i promise this won't be a long pod but unfortunately it's ended up being one um let's mix gonna tee up liam's soundbite from his lovely oh, yeah. holiday his honeymoon um i will say a caveat before you start playing it Mick, that if he mentions where he is the pool or cocktails more than twice i'm out okay you can take the pod yourself right so I'm, i haven't listened to it yeah i think you might have but um take it away oh he's not heard this yet okay <laughs> no right. uh, take it away take it away liam hey guys liam here last night of my honeymoon in mauritius thought i'd send you guys a little voice note before your podcast this evening another w for the birds three and oh even though we haven't seen the best from Jalen Hurts yet. I'm sure that is still to come. Offensive line, defensive line, and the running game absolutely eating up the Tampanay Buccaneers. I'm sure you're going to be talking about Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and their dominance at defensive tackle. I'm sure you're going to be talking about Jandre Swift and the fact that he's now got 300 rushing yards in two games combined. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about A.J. Brown coming to eat, even though he was reportedly a little bit unwell. So I'm going to throw a couple of different things at you for you to discuss on tonight's podcast. <clears throat> the first one is Dallas Goddard. I touched on the ability that Goddard has last week alongside A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and that there are only so many mouths to feed. Dallas Goddard is averaging just 21 yards per game as we move into week three. Yes, he had 41 yards yesterday and was a little bit more involved in the game. But for someone who was tight end five last year and had the capability to be a top three tight end in the NFL, this is not enough yards for Dallas Goddard. And I'm, I'm concerned that he's not getting involved as much as, as much as he should. I know the rush game is dominating, but I just wanted to ask both of you how concerned you are that our um, pass catching three, which could be a pass catching one on most of our teams, is only, only averaging excuse me 21 yards per game so far this year that's question one question two is less of a question i think it's more of a statement for you guys to discuss and that is the backup players that have come in and played in the secondary for the eagles over the last two weeks following the injuries that we've seen um over those two weeks i want to call out someone that maybe won't get too much of a mention on this podcast maybe he's in the good part of the good part of damn right and sexy for his safety and that is nicholas moreau there was articles out um, the other day about how Moreau has taken his chance. Remember, he was cut in preseason. He was brought back on the practice squad. And when Nicobe Dean went down, he's come in to play the, the Mike linebacker role. Uh, Dean is going to be out for another three weeks. Moreau, apart from the safety last night, there was two tackles for loss that he had, five tackles um, in total over the two games he has played. He played 100% of the snaps last night, and he was great in coverage. It's fantastic to see Moreau really step up and take his chance in a position that we definitely needed someone to do so. Likewise, at safety, Reed Blankenship um, looking like a dog with his interception. I'm sure he'll touch on that. And a shout-out to Sidney Brown for that incredible touchdown-saving play. So just a little discussion for you guys on uh, Moreau, uh, Blankenship, and Sidney Brown and how these guys, um, although Blankenship was set to be uh, a starter at the start of the year, Sidney Brown and... And Nicholas Monroe certainly were not. Uh, just touch on how good those guys have been and how excited you are for them for the rest of the season. Uh, I'll be back next week, boys. Looking forward to talking to you. Uh, speak to you then. Cheers. Go Birds.
Bill's on mute, but he doesn't realise it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I get it. We get it, Liam. We get it. You're on holiday, right? No need to remind us. I oh, know. To be fair, he kept it quite, uh, quite humble this week. But no, it's some some really good um, topics of discussion, which no, we haven't really discussed. So we'll quickly touch on them now. Um, I'll answer my my sort of got a question. I think he kind of mentioned it in 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 his question, which is the the running game. I think very much got its success last season for me was the safe being the safety net for Jalen Hurts on the throwing game when the running game wasn't as maybe strong or explosive as it is now. It feels very much in the last couple of games, especially um, DeAndre Swift has been our, our trundle down the field guy. We haven't needed Dallas Goddard as much. Yes, there's been a couple of points where I think in Dallas hasn't been quite at the races as he, as he normally is. Um, that might be symptomatic of the, la- the 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 decrease in targets that he's he's maybe getting, but I think you know Goddard's a team player. You know he's a humble guy. He's not the sort of person who's going to start throwing his toys out of the pram. I think he'll have his time at some point this season. There'll be a, there'll be a game where the running game isn't our safety net, and Goddard will be that guy that when we're struggling to get the first down on third down. Um, and God, it's that that's when he comes into his own when, when, the, when the gameplay um, lends itself to that that way. What about you, Mick? Do you are you worried about God's <clears throat> sort of lack? I mean, it is it is it's noticeable, so it's, it's hard not to kind of focus on it and, and maybe be a little bit worried. But are you like me, or are you um, are you a bit more worried? Yeah, well, I mean, when you've got so many um, pass catching threats on your team, it's hard to feed them all especially when the passing game just isn't quite there yet. But, Phil, you make an excellent point when you're talking about the run game and how how important Dallas Goddard is as part of that run game. We can't forget that Will Dallas is, is a great ca- pass-catching tight end. He's also a ridiculously good run-blocking tight end. And, in fact, whilst, um, whilst the, uh, the, the sound clip was playing, I decided to have a, a little look at PFF's stats on Dallas Goddard and he is the highest graded run blocker on the team from the game just passed against Tampa Bay with a 88.7 88 by the way is that a coincidence we short number mm. maybe um rating from for uh for his pass blocking prowess uh just ahead of Lane Johnson at 87 um and zone he was it was graded as high as a 92.6 uh so whilst we might not see Dallas making the you know the heroic catches and grabbing the first downs, he's still in there. We're playing a lot more 12 personnel that I've noticed as well. We've, we're getting Jack Stahl involved a lot more with Dallas Goddard in line, which kind of you know sort of this is a symptomatic of how well our, our, our run game has, has progressed over the last two games where we're putting 200 yards on these teams. So uh, whilst I sympathise with it, ultimately I don't give a shit because like, we're getting the wins and the yardage is there. If Dallas doesn't really get his in terms of pass catches, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not bothered. I'm not, uh, ultimately I'm not really bothered about it at all. Um, whilst I know that you know, you want to see your guys up in the lights and be your top five to end and touted as such and be on all the all the all the clips because you know your pass 
your your run blocking and pass blocking tight ends don't get that sort of media um light shone on them like your your Kelsey's and you know your Hawkinson's that kind of thing where um you see these guys taking in for touchdowns all the time and um get X amount of yardage. Uh there's such a thing as being an all round tight end and I still believe Dallas Goldner is the best in the league at that ability. So um no comments from me. I uh I definitely wouldn't wouldn't disagree. Um for obvious reasons. So moving on to the the second point that, that Liam made, and I think we're gonna focus specifically on the Nicholas Morrow aspect of it, um, the rookies coming in because of the impact that he had made on the safety, and we touched on it earlier in the pod. Um a sneaky sort of free agent pickup earlier in the offseason has been quite a good backup, and he's had to come in obviously through the injuries that we that we that we've had through the various um, parts of the team. What's what's your sort of feeling about are you are you happy that that Nicholas Morrow has had the impact he has, or are you more concerned that he's been needed to make that impact? I mean, you've you've got to understand that it's symptomatic of Nicobe Dean going down. Is why we had to bring Nicholas Morrow back on to you know the the practice squad and get him back in the roster. And you know, I don't think Morrow. I, I thought he was going to be a starting linebacker and then training camp happened and Zach Cunningham came in quite late and outplayed him, just simply outplayed him. Uh, and that's the way it ended up going and they ended up getting cut from the roster. But then the way goes down. So he's, he's brought back. And to his credit, I will say, to his credit, Morrow has done a good job since he, since he came in. Well, I'd say the last two weeks, I think. Did he play against the Patriots? I think he... I'm not sure if he does or not, um, but in terms of how my memory sits, anyway, um, he's had he's had a decent a decent couple of of games the last the last two, um, and interestingly enough, he's outplayed Christian Ellis, who was one of the the sort of camp darlings uh, we expected would be one of the middle linebackers alongside Nicobe Dean. And it's just not happened that way. I mean, you, you play the hot hand. We've talked about it before. Play the guys that are in form. And um, Borrow has done himself a lot of favours. He was, you know, he graded quite well against uh, both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, just looking at some at some PFF stats, but yeah, I, th- I think he had a, a quietly decent decent game. And uh, you know, we know that how he doesn't really rate linebackers and these are the kind of guys we'll just pick up we'll pick up guys off the street to just plug and play and sean decides doing probably doing his best with what he's got at this point um but yeah pleasantly surprised by him but I, i'm not about to give him you know title of shagger or talk about him at length on a podcast so yeah he's just one of these bottom of the roster guys that, that plugs in and does a job yeah I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think like a, a kind of a bit of a leading question where my my point of view is that it's great that he's performing, but I'm more disappointed that we, we're needing him to come in because of the risk he, he's performed, which is great. But you know, you, you want to be having your starting starting players in there doing the job that they're meant to be doing. So I'm not going to um, carry on too much more there. But um, 
I promise you we are getting onto the commander's preview, but just before we do, we are going to do our, our usual ad read. Um, so whenever you're ready, Mick, if you stick the, the ad on, then we'll get into the commander's preview. Celebrate victories, rally through challenges, and bond with fellow fans as you toast with a dram of Loch Lomond single malt whiskey. From tailgating gatherings to watch parties at home, Loch Lomond whiskey becomes an essential companion, enhancing the moments that make football so extraordinary. It's the perfect accompaniment, from the joy of victory to the bittersweet moments of defeat. Loch Lomond offer a wide range of malts, with their flagship perfectly balanced, and signature expressions inch moan and inch muren, to suit any taste palate. Celebrate greatness on and off the field this season with a perfect balance of Loch Lomond whiskey and Eagles football. From the first pour to the crowd roar. Fly Eagles fly. So let's get in let's get stuck into the 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 carmies preview as mick has adequately titled the, the final section of this part i promise you if you've made it this far thank you very much for putting up with my dulcet tones but as of next week you will have liam back so so don't 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 despair um the commanders for me before we get into it are as we when we did our, our, our season prediction pod the the team that always feels like a bit of a bogey team for me so i was up until the, the the recent game that they had this weekend gone um always thinking that i never i'm i'm the predictions are going to be hard to come by for me because i just never know how it's going to be I, i'm really scarred by that 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 the, the defeat they handed us to ruin our unbeaten run last season so and i feel like ron rivera and sam howell and, and the players that they've got McLaurin, um brian robinson are, are not terrible they've got a good team if they if they pull this they're the sort of team that if they pull their shit together they are hard to beat and they can give you a nasty stinger um whilst you're at it but that being said as i've as i've, as I've mentioned um <clears throat> sam howell is is a good quarterback and it looks promising in his sophomore year he's been sacked 19 times in three games 22 if you oh. count his first start last season I mean, it's sort of it feels like you know he's got the promise, but he is gonna get he's gonna cost you yardage a lot of times in the game. And then when you look at the the defense as we've mentioned about already with Jalen Jalen Carr, um, Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick, all those all those guys on the defensive side of the ball, going for a quarterback that he loves to get sacked every other play. It's it's, it's that's probably the the bit I'm focusing on is I really feel that we're gonna. That'll be again where we win the game. It's been our, been the theme in our previews so far this season. Looking at the games, is that if we can get to the quarterback, our secondary isn't we're not hundred percent confident in it. But if we can get to the quarterback, put him off his stride, um, then we've got a real chance in this game. And I feel like that that stat just there really, really, really highlights that. Um, they won their first game, probably not convincingly against the Cardinals, but we have seen how they could do Dallas, and then they. Uh, they had a, a shootout win against the Broncos, but as we've just recently seen, aren't particularly an impressive team either. But um, and then they've gone down to a to a heavy defeat against the uh, the Buffalo Bills, thirty-seven to three. Um, and as I mentioned, Howell getting sacked numerous times. So, from my perspective, I 
I'm feeling a lot more confident about this game going into it now. We've got the number one rush defense in the in the league. We've got the the number six total offense. We've got the number two rush offense. We've got the number twenty three pass offense, but we won't mention that one because we feel like Vic is getting there. Um, the stats are heavily pointing to our favor, Mick. And based on what I've said so far, are you feeling pretty confident going to this one? Yeah, well, as confident as you can be for a division game, I think division games are always a little bit slippery. So I'm the same as you, Phil, where not entirely sure. And then I'm like, well, it's, it's Washington. Should we really be that concerned? Especially at home. It's a home game. We expect a certain, you know, we've got the crowd behind us. Although, we'll say, shout out to all the fans that travelled to Tampa Bay because that sounded like a home game on the television hmm. with all the Eagles chants throughout the game and all the green that we saw on the stands. So um, with that behind us uh, and how the commanders are just now, they're sort of in this little weird transition period. Um, I quite like somehow uh, I drafted them in our NFC sort of draft thing that we had, a bit of fun in the off-season, so I've been keeping a keen eye on them to hopefully win me some points in my fantasy league. <laughs> in my fantasy league, but I'm clutching at straws a little bit there. I saw <laughs> that he had uh, against Buffalo, that pick six was absolutely horrendous, but he'll, he'll learn from those sorts of mistakes. Um, on, the, on the face of it, we have got too much talent to lose to a team like Washington. And that's what it really comes down to, is like our horses against their horses, and ours are bigger, faster, stronger. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, I mean, the, the areas where they do have, you know, a, a bit more horsepower, shall we say, uh, is on that defensive line. And their defensive line, we've spoken about it before, Many, many podcasts because this is a familiar foe. We see them twice a season, so we know these guys. But all former first round picks, you've got Young, you've got Allen, you've got Payne, you've got Sweat. And that is four guys that you don't want to travel with too often, but we have to see them twice a season. And the thing about Philadelphia is that our offensive line is one of the best in the league. So again, it's it's always an interesting matchup, especially with Young coming back into the fold because he missed Chase Young missed quite a few games last season. Um, he's not been quite himself. Washington didn't pick up his option either, uh, so he's playing for his career at this point in time. And I think he had did he have a sack against Buffalo? I feel like I seen him in in the red zone coverage of that game. But uh, you know, Washington do have some good pieces and it's just similar to what we said in the box preview i think last week and that it's a team where you're not expecting them to do great things this season that you don't see them as a playoff contender or um or, but not necessarily a team that's tanking either that's going to be in the top five of draft picks or somewhere in between because they've got some really good pieces and like i've spoke already about that defensive line um, but, you know, they've also got Fuller on in the cornerback. They've got that young Forbes that they had just drafted. Uh, the other cornerback, uh, Curl, who is in the uh, safety position, who the Washington fans love. Uh, you can't say a bad word, word against uh, Curl at the moment. Um, the Davis, who was the Jim and Davis, who was the previous first-round pick last year, has come on to a game as well. So their defence is actually pretty good. 
And I think their overall defense power ranking was quite high when I looked at it earlier in uh, PFF. I think they were they were rated above Philadelphia at this point, um, which is quite surprising. But uh, I know we've give, given up quite a lot of yardage over the last couple of games to Kirk Cousins and, and Mac Jones. But we'll see how um, Sam Howell faces up against our defense. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> succinctly put, and I think there's not really much more needed to touch on than that. Um, the commanders have the ability to be a, a thorn in your side. Uh, they've got the players on defense to really give Hurts a, a a tough day. And given not his struggles, but the, the the sticking points that we've had, sort of the passing game being not hundred percent, his decision making not being a hundred percent because of coaching or, or not being a hundred percent himself. Um, it it's always has the opportunity to go wrong, but I feel more confident than I have felt in recent times, just because how, like I said, how the defense is, is shaping up alone. I feel like if, even yeah. if they start to cause us a few problems, the defense will, 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 will hold them at bay and allow the offense to figure it out yet again. It is almost like the team goes up, go right. Defense know what they're doing. And um, we will try to keep, get the passing game going, but inevitably the defense keeps us in it long enough for us to realize that just run it. Let's just, 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 just run it and win the game. You're trying to be more balanced, but yeah, ultimately you just settle for, for what works. And to quote Jalen Hurts in his recent um, press conference before the game, so like, when did the when did winning not become the main thing? Um, just win. Just win <laughs> the game. The main thing, the main thing. The main thing, the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Eagles open as an eight and a half point favourite, which I think is probably about right, given what we've just said. I feel pretty confident, but not not so confident that you could be looking at over ten points in terms of a, uh, an advantage going in on the, on the spread. I think the Eagles should comfortably make that, but again, it could just as well be a three point win as a twenty point win with them um, with these two teams. So I'm going to refrain from sticking my neck on the line in, in typical fashion. Um, but what is worth noting um, before we finish out the pod is that this is our first meetup, our first watch along at Passyant Waterloo, Leak Street Arches in London. Super jealous to not be making this one myself, but Liam, fresh back from his honeymoon with stories to tell. I'm hoping that doesn't put you guys off too much from turning up. Um, <laughs> but it will be... There are a lot of people coming. We've got um, over 50 people um, we're booked to come in. Um, so we are going to be taking over the Nick Foles bar. Um, and I, like I said, I'm super jealous. I mean, I was down there the other week getting my cheesesteak on, but there's nothing better than, than having a cheesesteak and wings, a, PB, a PBR, and watching the Eagles turn out and, and absolutely destroy teams. So I'm sure... If you haven't booked in, there's still time to get your name down, but um, I wouldn't wait too much longer because numbers will be getting finalised and, and I'm not sure if there's a limit or not, but I don't think there is, but let's not leave it to chance. Get yourself down there now. If you're, if you're just sitting around in your in your home on a Sunday afternoon, get yourself on the train, get down there. I know I would if I wasn't otherwise engaged. So I'm um, super jealous of that. Um, and that is pretty much what I have to say on, on the uh, on the watch long side of things. The, the predictions results will be coming out 
later on this week to keep an update on those who are, are trying to win that bottle of Black Flowman, British and Irish Eagles, Kelly Green or Midnight Green, your choice, um, bottle of whiskey or a Passion Love bundle ready for the Super Bowl, um, and a British and Irish Eagles t-shirt if you uh, if you come in third. And the deadline is now fast approaching for payment for the Philly trip, so that's coming up in the next few days. So I suspect if you're not already in, you're probably not. Um, going to be able to get your name in on time but the, the entry is open for another few days so so uh, if you do change your mind make sure you get onto our website or um, the uh, Philly Sports Trips website um, ASAP and get your name down I think that's all I we'll have to cover for this week Mick um, shout out to the fantasy leagues that, that are ongoing at the moment there's lots of activity in there lots of interesting results um and people fighting for right, yeah. some bottles of lock lime and whiskey in there as well i'm not sure how, how, how you started i think i'm one and two in both at the moment i've had some mi- i think i think the season itself has just been such a mixed bag and so yeah obviously this week with the 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 the, the, the um the dolphins the dolphins result. trashed every fantasy league this it's this basically league. just lopsided everything hasn't it yeah uh, i am also one and two i took a lot of one and two and pretty much all of them but um thanks ever so much guys for sticking with us um we're not your normal hosts we do our best um you know just goes to show how how hard it is and how much um we appreciate liam's hard work oh, don't, don't go smoke up him. come on well he's not listening at this point is he? he's not really <laughs> i'm doing i'm doing this to see if he if he mentions in the group how uh how nice it was of the work kind words i said to him but i don't know if he would please listen oh, as well. yeah. but um, oh, yeah, yeah it just goes to show that um it's not not an easy job but we, we continue to bring you this content regardless of what's going on with ourselves um and the eagles um we'll commit to you we enjoy doing this despite how it might sound right now um i look forward to liam come back taking over the rain so i can stick back to sitting on the fence and giving me my gut takes and, and mick can stick to uh putting some whimsical noises to go on the pod and bringing in the stats from PFF and, and all that sort of stuff. And we look forward to getting normal service resumed as of next week. Anything uh, else to add, Mick, before we uh, ride off into the sunset with our whiskey? Go birds. Go birds. See you guys soon.